Good morning. This is week three in the human condition. We've been talking about what does it mean to be human, and um, we're going to resolve some things from down in a dark place last week to a better place today. And uh, what does it mean to be human? I'm glad you're here. Today is Sunday fun day. So you should stay for after the second service when there'll be ice cream outside, but uh, you'd have to stay two hours. But I'm glad that you're here. We've been looking at a, a Christian world view. How, does, how do you hold together um, the things that the Bible teaches in a coordinated way that help us understand life in its highest and best vision. A Christian and biblical worldview is, we've said, both coherent and compelling. It's coherent because it holds together and it makes the best sense out of the complexities and mysteries of life. It helps us understand our purpose and our meaning in life while we are in this broken world, and it is broken, wouldn't you agree? And traveling to an eternal life to be with God It's understanding all of the components revealed in the Scriptures that help us see the world together in a coherent way with all of its troubles. It's also a compelling worldview because it is by understanding what the Bible says about who God is and who we are and why there are problems in the world, it helps us to know how to live today, the way we were created to live. When Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly, He was helping us to understand that there is a way to think about the world that you can live in times of travail and difficulty with a sense of abundance that I'm still in the will of God and experiencing the very best that God has for me by living under His authority. Now we've said that there is a Bible that's authoritative. There is a Father in heaven who is infinite. There is a Son who was fully God and fully man, the second person of the Trinity, and He came. We've been singing about Him this morning and His sacrifice for us and how His death atones for our sins. There is a Spirit of God who comes to live inside the heart of every believer. And then we've talked about the human condition, that we were created in God's image. What does it mean to be created in God's image? It means that we were created to be like Him and to represent Him in the world. You cannot begin with a view about what humans are like apart from who God is and what He is like. Because every person is created in the image of God, every human being is worthy of dignity and respect and honor. Being created in the image of God is the highest expression of God's creation. We were made to be like Him. We mentioned two implications of being human. That we were created for work. Everybody said? No. (laughs) We were created to work. And purposeful. We're, We're creative beings. And we were made for relationships. We are able to experience relationships in a way unlike anything else in the created order Relationships that are loving and meaningful are what it means to be human in part. 
The other thing we said is that because we are created in the image of God, we are important to God, not only now, but for all of eternity. And understanding that He created us in love for His glory is the most supremely satisfying grounding for meaning in life. If you know today that you were created by God and for God, then it helps to know that when you leave here today and go out, it won't be the most satisfying thing in your life to live for your job or to live for money or to live for pleasure. But if you live for the glory of God, you will be stepping into the very way in which you were created as a human being. It's hard to get your mind around living for God in, all, in every part of life. But it is the most satisfying grounding for meaning. Well, the bad news about being created in the image of God is that Adam and Eve sinned. And they led the whole race of humanity into sin with them. All of Adam's descendants are affected by sin. By nature and by choice. And therefore, we stand under God's judgment and wrath. And we are separated, alienated, hostile to God. We're actually called in the Bible enemies of God. Sin is universally experienced. There are none righteous, no not one. All fall short of the glory of God. We all wander away as rebel sheep. In essence, sin in the human heart is a revolt against God and the desire to create a self-centered universe for ourselves. This is the universal dilemma of all of humanity. We can do nothing to compensate for our failures. All we have is to confess our sins. There's nothing we can do to re rehabilitate ourselves. All that is left to us is to repent of our sins. We don't need rituals. We don't need religious ceremonies. We don't need rules and regulations. We need a Savior. And He came. It's Jesus. And He saves us and transforms our lives into His likeness. This is the good news of the Gospel. That Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He was buried. He was raised on the third day and He ascended into heaven and He's coming again for us. That's the good news. Now, I had to dip back in for any of you who are catching up of where we were in the last two weeks, but we're going to go to the last sentence in the statement that we've been reading. So here is the statement of we believe. We believe that God created Adam and Eve in His image, but they sinned when tempted by Satan. In union with Adam, human beings are sinners by nature and by choice, alienated from God and under His wrath. Let's read the last sentence together. Only through God's saving work in Jesus Christ can we be rescued, reconciled, and renewed. Okay, this is the culmination of the human condition finds a renewal and a restoration in the work that God offered His Son, Jesus Christ, to come into the world and to live as a human being, fully God, fully man, and to reveal who God is like, and then through His work on the cross, to do three things. To rescue, reconcile, and renew. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. 1 
First, I want to just say, it's only through God's saving work in Jesus Christ. This is the word that the Bible says to us. A number of weeks ago, we looked at the person of Jesus Christ. But the saving work of God, of people who are estranged from Him and whose image is hindered because of sin, the, the answer is through Jesus only. Here's a verse from Colossians that we looked at. Colossians chapter 1. Some of you are going to take notes. This is a review. It says of Jesus Christ that He is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn of all creation. That's the word image, icon. He is the likeness. He is the exact representation. We were created in the image of God. Jesus is the image of God. This is the way we need to begin this morning. Because if we are estranged from God, even though we're in His image, that we are sinners and He is holy, it is Christ who comes in to the space of humanity and takes on human nature and becomes... A, a pre, the presence of God of very God. He is the image of the invisible God. For in Him, Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace through the blood of His cross. It is Jesus who comes into humanity to restore the broken Likeness of God in human beings. Here's what it says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. It is Jesus who comes to restore what is broken in mankind. And because only through God's saving work in Jesus Christ can we be rescued, the apostles took up this statement and they began to preach in the New Testament in Acts chapter 4 and verse 12. And this was the constant preaching of the apostles of the early church. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved except the name of Jesus. Why? Because Jesus took on human flesh. He lived perfectly and in His saving work on the cross, He made it possible for broken humans to be restored, to be rescued, and to enter into heaven. He is the image of God. We are created in the likeness of God. He came to do the work of bringing us to God. In His own words, another familiar verse, John 14.6, He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through Me. Only through the saving work of Christ can we be rescued. Have you ever needed to be rescued? You see, you, you don't know how much you need Jesus until you know in what place you are before God. But we need to be rescued. Unfortunately, most people don't know that they're in peril. Most people living today don't know that they're in peril and separated from God. But there's a couple of verses in the Bible that sort of portray 
What is the condition of humanity apart from Jesus when it comes to God? Well, here's a verse from John chapter 3 and verse 36. Jesus said, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. If you believe in Jesus, you have eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God remains on him. Most people don't know and would not describe their life as being under judgment. But this is the way Jesus describes it. We have a condition of being under judgment until we come to Jesus. John chapter 5 and verse 24 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. We need to be rescued because there is a spiritual condition of humanity that is dead in our trespasses and sins. We're separated from God. We're estranged from Him and unlike Him in His holiness and our sinfulness. And there is no way that we can bridge the gap from our condition to His presence unless He brings us in through the Son who came as the image of God, the fullness of God who came to offer Himself on the cross for us. What is the condition from which we need to be rescued? Death. To be made alive. Estranged. To be brought in. We're, we're separated and we need to be close. What would you say are the biggest problems in the world today? Global warming? Economic collapse? Political corruption? War? Nuclear war? Violence? Drugs? I mean, the world's a mess, right? Say, what is the greatest problem in the world? You know what the Bible would say it is? We are estranged from God because we're sinners. And many of these problems in the world are the manifestations of that in all of humanity. The greatest problem that we have is that we need to be rescued. But if you don't know that you're in trouble, then it doesn't even seem to make sense that a preacher would say, you're lost and you need Jesus. Blah, 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 blah. Until you really understand your lostness, Jesus doesn't make sense. The word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, mostly because they don't know they're perishing. But have you ever been lost? I was thinking about a time I was lost. I was a teenager. I grew up in a family of uh, five boys, and we, we grew up a long time ago where hunting for food was still a part of life where we lived. And we would all go hunting once or twice a year. And, you know, depending on how you feel about that here in Boulder, you know, you don't write to me, okay? Uh, we don't, I don't do that anymore. But anyway, we grew up hunting. And I remember as a teenager hunting with my father and two of my brothers in the deep woods of western Pennsylvania. And we got dropped off. And this was late November, early December, dark early. And I got lost in the woods as a teenager. And it was so dark. And I didn't know how to get out of the woods. 
and I wandered and wandered and wandered in the direction that I thought I should go. And finally I came to a country road that was paved. Not a single street light anywhere on it. But I came out to the road and I just stood there. No cars anywhere. I didn't know to turn left or right. I turned right. And I walked and walked and walked until I finally saw a light. And I, I walked to the light. And the light was on a hill set back from the road, an old farmhouse. And I walked up to the farmhouse and I knocked on the door with a gun. And the nicest couple was inside. It might have helped that I had orange on. But the nicest couple inside and let me in and gave me something to eat and made a couple phone calls. And in about 30 minutes, a sheriff came and picked me up and took me to where my father was. I was scared. But when he, he took me to my father, whom, by the way, did not kill the fatted calf when I arrived home. But it was good to be reunited. And I was worried about spending the night in the woods, in the cold, alone. I knew I was lost. And I wanted to be found. Most people don't know that they are estranged from God. How do people come to the place where they realize, I need to be rescued? Well, that's, that's one of the reasons the Lord leaves the church on earth until He comes again or we die. Because the church is the group of transformed people who live a different kind of life so that people see the life of the church and say, what is the hope that you have in you? That we will be ready to answer everyone who asks about the hope that is in you. With gentleness, we would answer and say, I have come to know that there is a Savior and I've experienced a spiritual rescue in Him. It's the reason that the Holy Spirit has been sent into the world living inside the lives of Christians because it's the job of the Holy Spirit to convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. It's the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the world today that must convince people that they truly are lost without Jesus. Now the God of this world is blinding the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the glorious light of the Gospel of Christ. And few there be who find it. But until you know you're lost, the rescue of God through Jesus' saving work doesn't make sense. The word of the cross is foolishness. But we still have to keep preaching it. You agree? We still have to keep saying and I thought about this. One of the questions that you might ask one of your loved ones is, do you feel close to God? Do you feel close to God? I don't even know if God exists. Oh, He exists. Why don't you pray that you would start to feel close to God? 
People need to have a sense that there is a separation because of our sin from God from which we need to be rescued. But that's what Jesus did. And if you're in Christ, you're rescued. You're saved. You're, you're found. You're redeemed. And that's the good news that you move from being lost to being found, saved. And the biblical world word justified. Okay, number two. We're reconciled. We're reconciled. What does that mean? Well, reconciliation means the restoration of a relationship into a harmonious state of being after a dispute. If you've been married, hopefully you've experienced some times of reconciliation. And how great is it to belong uh, to someone in a beautiful relationship and experience a dispute and then experience the fullness of reconciliation. Have any of your marriages ever experienced that? Are any of you waiting for that to happen right now? It, reconciliation, when it is experienced, is like, ah, we're back together. And sometimes there's a sense, of like, is it fully restored? Is, does he really forgive me? Does she really forgive me? And, and spiritual reconciliation, Christian reconciliation, is the work of God through Christ whereby He restores mankind into a favorable relationship with Himself so that our status from being estranged comes that we are united with Him. Here's a, one of many biblical texts in Romans chapter 5. I love the way it starts. But God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, we were away from God. We were sinners. And God is holy. But while that was the case, Christ died for us. Since therefore, we have now been justified by His blood. We, we were away from Him under condemnation. And justification means we are declared righteous. So we were under His wrath because of our sin, but through Jesus, God says you are just as if you never sinned. You are fully forgiven. You are declared righteousness. And whereas we received Adam's imputed sinful nature, in Christ we receive His righteousness and justification through His blood. Much more shall we be saved from the wrath of God by Him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled by the death of His Son, much more now that we are reconciled, we'll be saved through His life. And more than that, we rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom now we have received reconciliation. There is a restoration of relationship that you who were, we who were far from God have been brought near. We were enemies, now we're friends. Another text in the Bible uh, you know, sort of describes this as we, we've actually been made heirs with Him. So we were, we were estranged, we were far from Him, and He made us near. By the power of the Holy Spirit, Romans tells us that um, everyone who belongs to Jesus has the Holy Spirit. 
You have received the spirit of adoption, Romans 8 says, by whom we cry to God now, Abba, Father. God is our Father. And we cry to Him and say, Our Father who is in heaven. We used to be enemies, and now God's our Father. What do you think of that? We used to be far away, and now we have been brought near. And the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if we're children, it goes on to say we are heirs. Heirs with Christ. So that what Jesus has, we have. Now that's a reconciliation that is full and complete. Most human estrangements, there's always something in the back of our mind, can I really trust this person? Can I really be brought close to that person again? I want you to know that when God brings us into relationship with Himself, He does it in the most expensive way. Through the blood of His Son, Jesus. So how efficacious, how effective is the reconciliation? Everybody? You are brought near. You, You are children of God. He is your Father, and Christ is a joint heir. You have your Bible? Let me have you turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians 5 and see if we can get a picture of this reconciliation in one other verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to Himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the ministry of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, making His appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sakes, God made Him who knew no sin to be sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God through Him. This is the reconciliation that God gives us through His Son that you may be brought near. I want to say to you, if you have never trusted in Christ, your broken sinfulness is what keeps you estranged from God. Only through the saving work of Christ can you be brought near. And He wants to bring you near and be reconciled. Rescued, reconciled, and third, renewed. Renewed. Now, this is where I want you to have in your mind that we were all created in the image of God. That because we're sinners, the image of God in us is bent, crooked, distorted. We do not represent God the way that we ought to because the image is not eliminated, but it's tarnished. And then Christ, who is the image of God, comes into the world, lives, dies, is raised, ascends to heaven, and we believe in Him, and something in the image of God in us is restored through Christ in us. 
Jesus came to show us what God is like in His humanity. He really came to show us what it means to be human. What Adam and Eve should have been like. So Adam and Eve were leaders of the human race. Think about this. Adam exalted himself in the garden. And he lunged at the chance to be like God, knowing good and evil, and ate of the fruit. And as the representative head of all of humanity, He led us into sin. But Christ came as the head, the representative second Adam. And He did not exalt Himself. He humbled Himself. And did not regard Quality with God a thing to be grasped. But He emptied Himself of that and took upon Himself the form of a servant and He humbled Himself all the way to the point of the cross. Do you see the difference in the two leaders of humans? Adam and the second Adam, Christ? Adam led us into sin and Christ came. Adam in his disobedience, Christ in his obedience. And Christ leads us into a new life in God. He came to undo the disobedience of the first Adam. Let me see if I can help you see it. Here's a familiar verse for you. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that for those who love God, All things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. Amen. What's His purpose? Verse 29. Bible readers, verse 29 is. This is His purpose. This is what is worked together for good. I know we like to apply this to every nitty-gritty detail of our life. And I believe it. God is working in all those details. But what's in Paul's mind when he says, God works all things together for good according to His purpose? What's His purpose? Primarily. Verse 29. For those whom He foreknew, He predestined. Let's read the next phrase to the comma together. To be conformed to the image of His Son. What's God's purpose for our life? To be conformed to the image icon of His Son. There is a restoration and a renewal that happens when you come to know Christ and He is your Savior. God begins to work out His renewal process that we become conformed to the image of God, of Christ in us in order that He might be the firstborn of many brothers. He he is leading a new humanity to be more and more conformed to the image of Christ. If you want to know what is the basic purpose of your life, it is God's desires that I be conformed to the image of Jesus. That's what He wants for me in my life. But how does that happen? 
How does the image of Christ become restored in us? Well, it begins by trusting in Christ, calling on Him to save us from our sin, and then God progressively begins to move in our lives to restore the broken image of God in us, the sordid image to be more and more like Jesus. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul talks about how our old life in the flesh used to be a certain way. And then in the text here on the screen, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 20, but you didn't learn Christ in that way. You'd have to look at the early verses. In the flesh, you didn't learn about Christ, assuming that you heard about Him and were taught in Him. That As you know, the truth is in Jesus, but this is what you were taught. To put off the old self, that means to strip away everything like you come in from working in the field, working on the yard, working in the garage, and you are filthy, and you you don't want to bring that stuff into the house, so you strip away the old. This is an idea of repentance, that I turn away from everything that I used to be before Christ, I strip it off. It belongs to my former manner of life in deceitful desires. And I be renewed in the spirit of our mind. Newness of mind. And I put on the new self. I I put on the new Christ. Created after, here's the word again, the likeness of God in true righteousness. You see, there is a likeness to God that redemption through Jesus is intended to produce. Rescued, reconciled, renewed. There's a transformation that happens. So how is the transformation process going in you? How is the renewal? Are you more like Christ today? Are you experiencing more of the image of Jesus in you more and more and more? Well, um, you know we're not going to experience it until we get totally to heaven. But let me show you one more verse that will help us know how to go out of here today. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18. Paul says this, We all, with unveiled face, we know who Jesus is, we we can see Him, are beholding the glory of the Lord. We know what Jesus did for us. And we behold the glory of the Lord are being transformed. into the same icon, in the same image as what we're beholding. From one degree of glory to another, this comes from the Lord, from the Spirit. We're all being transformed as we behold the glory of the Lord from one degree to another. Spiritual progress because of what we look at being transformed in our life as we look at Jesus. We become like that which we esteem most highly. So if it's money, money is going to shape our life. If it's pleasure, pleasure is going to shape our life. If it's security, it's worry and setting up fortresses around us that's going to shape our life. But if what shapes our life is beholding the glory of the Lord more and more, we will become like that which we esteem Jesus. Humanity's broken. We need to realize we are. Come to Jesus, be rescued, be reconciled to God, and be transformed. 
transition from one level of humanness to an increasing sanctification to be more and more like the image of Jesus. Now listen, it's not going to happen fully until we get to heaven. That's why John says, um, see what kind of love the Father has bestowed on us that we will be called the children of God. That's what we are. And it hasn't appeared as yet what we shall be, but we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. We're on a journey. And what it means to be human is to be more and more like Jesus. May God help us be transformed into His likeness. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank You that You came to restore us. It's as if You are making us new day by day. And I pray that You will bring us to life, give to our soul a a sense of genuine resurrection and newness of life. God, I pray that You will renew us in the deepest part of our soul. What needs to change and be transformed I pray that You will. For anyone here who is unaware, Lord, I pray that by the power of Your Spirit, You'll just help us be aware of how much we need Jesus today. Lord Jesus, would You save anyone who is now aware of being lost? Would You save? Dead? Would You bring to life? Blind? Would You give sight? Estranged? Would You bring near? Lord, we just want to say we, we come to You. Make us new. And Whatever needs to be stripped away, God, strip it away. And may Christ be seen in us, we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.